Good morning. My name is Claudia, and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sober date is August 3rd. I have to write this down. I'm sorry, but sometimes when you get involved in life and, and then you have to, I always have to drop back and say, it's got numbers. Oh, geez, numbers. Okay. When met I sober, there are numbers. What month, what day, what year, how many? Because I don't do numbers. I know. It's like when my husband says, what address? I said, I don't know what address. It's the White House on the corner with the red petunias. I... Every woman I know would know where that was. <laughs> I just, I, so I have to think, and I have to write it down. My sober date is August 3rd, 1980. My home group is Women in the Solution, Saturday morning, Springfield. And there are some of them here. Yay! <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and thank you again this year for the committee for Rose City Girls Stock, how hard they work. I have been on committees and they start months before this event starts and the dedication and the commitment to this is bigger than we see. And I thank Amy and Dylan for their insight and for um, following how they believe God is leading them and for their patience, which grows incrementally, I'm sure. <laughs> And yeah, and thank you also, all of you, and I know the committee was a part of this too, for asking me back to speak. Thank you. Um, so I have to think about that. I, I was thinking, what has happened to me this year that was a of interest? And I thought, well, how very interesting. In the middle of July, our sweet cat of 16 years, uh, we had to have her put down because of her. she was very feeble and very old. And that was very sad. And then our refrigerator died. <laughs> and then our stove died. And then the freezer, the big freezer in the garage, that died. And then, uh, it, and now we're well into August. And, in, and then our, our sweet big dog of 14 years, we had to have her put down. And so I was thinking, well, this, okay, the cat died, the stove died, the freezer died. The refrigerator died. The dog died. That, well, then, well, then I thought, oh, thank God, here comes September, and I can get out of here, and I can go camping. I'm going to camp every single weekend in September because this is awful, and I don't know if I can bear this anymore, God. And it rained the entire month of September. <laughs> and I'm laughing, and I'm thinking at the end of all this, of course it's raining. Of course this is. This is a really bad AA joke. This is bad. Where, where the dog died and, this, and the wife left me and, and AA were just hee-hawing and pounding on tables over all of the tragedies in our life because in sobriety and with God somehow or other, they become funny and we get the learning lessons and the life lessons from this. You have to because if you don't, we're dead. There has to be a life lesson, and there has to be a way of finding humor. And sometimes it takes a while. It takes a few months. It takes some time. But it is there. Look, that's our silver, our silver lining. That's the hope, is that sometime, I know it's going to happen, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, but there will be a time when I'll laugh at this. I know it. So I have, and I did. And, and I stood at my living room window looking out the, watching the rain and my little lower lip was hanging out. And, and my, and, but in October, the sun came out. 
So I did get to go camping then. So here we go. Step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry the message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, in case you haven't noticed, and I'm sure you all have, there are three parts to step 12. Part one, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And part two, we tried to carry this message to other alcoholics. And, and part three is practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, part one, what's a spiritual awakening? How do I know I got one? Well, the definition of that is in the book. It is when, through God's grace, we are now able to do and feel and believe that which we could not do before on our unaided strength and resources alone. It is the gift of a new state of consciousness and being, a transformation. It is freely given, yet we must take some action to make ourselves ready to receive it. So what action do we have to take to make ourselves ready to receive a spiritual awakening? And the action is we do the first 11 steps. It's, it's not rocket science. We do the first 11 steps. We are now prepared. We are now the fertile ground for a spiritual awakening. Some of us happens sooner. Some of us happens later. But that's the general time when we are now ready for that spiritual awakening to happen, that we are able to do these things and think these things and say these things. I, didn't, I never thought like that before. I never spoke these great things. I remember sponsoring women, and stuff would come out of my mouth, and I'd think, oh, God, that's good. I never thought I should do that. That's really good. <laughs> Result of a spiritual awakening. I don't know about you, but for me, I, I wasn't sure. And that's when I knew. When stuff started coming out of my mouth, I thought, I, that, that wasn't, wow, that's God. Those were big hallelujah times for me. So part one, that was the spiritual awakening. And we did all of those things, and what action do we take? We do the first 11 steps, which brings us to part two. Having completed the first 11 steps and with our spiritual awakening, we now try to carry this message to alcoholics. Well, how do we do that? How do you carry the message to other alcoholics? We do it through service. Suit up, show up. Sometimes it's suit up, show up, shut up. Sometimes it's suit up, show up speak up. But it is that we are through service. That is how we carry the message. So what is 12-step what is service? It is carrying the message. It is attending a meeting. Just sitting at a meeting, going to a meeting is 12-step service. I am there. You are there. We are there. What does that do? It supports the meeting. It helps. If I show up, I'm doing my part to make sure of the continuation of an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I am seeing other people. We're doing the thing here. She's there. I'm here. Yeah. We support each other. I am supporting you. You are supporting me. I don't know how about you, but I have shown up at meetings where nobody was there. Nobody unlocked the door. Nobody came. There was a dead AA meeting. I don't 
I try to be the woman that shows up and makes eye contacts and speaks to other people. We guarantee the continuation of our meeting, that it will be there for you and for me and for each other. And I see you and I am reassured, good, she's coming, I feel better, all right. We are sisters in AA and our meeting is gonna continue and she's sober today and me too. That's service, that's really important. How do I, what else do we do? Well, we share. Sharing is an important service. We share the message of hope. We, we speak experience, strength, and hope. This is not, show, give me, sharing at a meeting is not bring and brag. It is not carry the message. It is not, excuse me, it is not carry the mess. The mess is for the sponsors. When we share at a meeting, it is carry the message experience, strength, and hope. I can say in a general way, I'm going through a hard time right now in my marriage. But I don't carry the details because I start speaking in the details and I start rolling back in their heads. And I'm lost because I'm carrying the mess. The mess is not meant for the meeting. The message is meant for the meeting. The mess is meant for your sponsor. Go tell her. Um, but I get to carry the message. I'm having this difficulty, well, what am I doing about it? I'm working a step. I'm working with my sponsor. I'm talking to God about this, and I have hope that there's gonna be a good solution, a good outcome to this. That gives hope to other people who come. If you're a newcomer at a meeting, what do you want to hear? Somebody else's mess? I would walk away and not come back. My experience, I was so fortunate, I know that God plugged my ears. He just stuck his fingers in my ears. And so that's what I heard was the message. I didn't know that you could leave Alcoholics Anonymous. I never heard that. God stuck his fingers in my ears. I heard, well, I remember asking, so I, I don't see Bob. Where did Bob go? And somebody said, oh, he went out. I just thought, I kept looking for him to come back in the door. I, th I thought he went out and smoked or he was out talking. I didn't know that, that, that it meant that, that Bob went out again and he's drinking again. I just thought, he's going to come back in the door. He better hurry up. The meeting's starting. <laughs> if I'd known, I might have been the one that went out the door. I might have been the one. God protected me. I heard the message. I heard all of those people who carried experience, strength, and hope. That kept me coming back. And that made me hear and see, gosh, if they can do that, maybe I have a chance. Maybe I got a chance at this. It is important that you share, and I'm hoping that sponsors, an important part of sponsoring is that you teach your people, how do you, what do you talk at a meeting? Make sure that you're carrying a message, and how do I tell in a general way what's going on with me, but I can be specific with my sponsor, and maybe with a trusted friend in recovery, that we talk about those hard specifics, and always, of course, we talk to God. We bring and dump with God so that we can be the people that speak, uh, experience strength and hope in a, in a meeting. All our service positions that we have, of course, they are service. They are 12-step service. From, um, from the secretary to the timekeeper, from the GSR to the greeter, they're all 12-step positions and they are all service, and we need them. They help keep 
things running smoothly, just like the committee did here, all of the behind scenes, that's what makes things run smoothly. All service positions. The sponsorship is the only service position that is done one-on-one. -on -one. All the others are done for the purpose of the continuation and the smooth running of a group so that it will be there for alcoholics who want to recover from alcoholism. But the sponsorship position is the one-on-one, -on -one. one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. The big book has a whole chapter working with others about the 12th step. It talks about practices that were more common than now, such as detoxing people in your living room, getting involved with the families, seeking out physicians, clergy, or hospitals to find drunks. In our time, this rarely happens anymore. There are thousands of meetings now where there were only a few then. There are detox facilities and treatment centers and outpatient clinics and recovery houses and more where there was only the hospital, jail, or somebody's couch then. Now there are nearly as many Al-Anon meetings for the recovery of families as there are AA meetings. Then there were none. Now if you want to be a sponsor, in most meetings you raise your hand and the newcomers come to you. Then that didn't happen. Now I was listening, I was thinking about um, Lila and 50 years ago this very much, all of the things in the big book very much applied to 50 years ago. There weren't hardly any of these things. There weren't big recovery houses and there weren't detox centers and there weren't all those things then. So there was a, so much more happened then, so much more intimacy in the recovery of alcoholism now. And I think that we have to work harder to achieve that intimacy, that the depth of that with alcoholism, with, with the shaken hands with the profoundness and the fatality that our disease can bring. I think that Lila has probably seen so much more than we will ever see. And that's a double-edged sword. Um, for some of us, it's maybe we need to see a little bit more of that to really understand how fatal this disease is. On the other hand, thank God maybe we don't have to see that. Maybe we'll catch it a little quicker. We don't have to see all those people dying of this disease. We don't have to sit in the same row that she sat in and see those things. Maybe we can hear what she said and think, oh, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. The big book mentions a few other things that we don't do anymore, but it is very helpful in instructing the sponsor in the right attitude and the right motives, and it encourages the sponsor and sponsee to walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. When a person becomes a sponsor, we enter a joyful, sometimes irritating, sometimes confusing, almost always humbling, rewarding relationship. Why do I sponsor? Well, I started sponsoring because my sponsor told me that's what you do. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I began to sponsor. And I sponsored. I began the way that I was sponsored. It has evolved. The basics are still there. But it has evolved. And I have also learned how to adjust to the woman that I sponsor. 
Some women will catch on and get it just like that, and they got the willingness, and they say, you want me to jump how high? And I think, oh, yeah. And some women take, they're a little tougher, they take a little more this, a little less that, until they catch on. It is about them. For me, this, I want so much for women to be sober that I am willing to adjust to some length the way that I sponsor, not the things that I believe and not what I know works, but I am willing to be a little flexible in certain areas because I want that woman to be sober. Am I responsible for her sobriety? No. I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for how I, how I sponsor and that I do my best job, but I'm not responsible for my sponsee's sobriety. That's their job. I worked hard for mine. You work hard for yours. That's your job. Mine is to suit up and show up and the, do the best I can for you. But you got to be on the other end of that, doing the best you can for you. So why do I sponsor? Well, that was the first reason. The second reason, I am contributing to the continuation of my beloved Alcoholics Anonymous. The third reason, because God never works only on way, only one way. I may be pouring out all this stuff and all my wisdom and all my blah blahs, but oh boy, what I get back from you. When I get to, I get to tell you all the things I know and help you see and understand some of the vocabulary in our book, and you get to turn the light on and you get to see, and I'm thinking, oh look, I saw it go on. She got it. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, this is wonderful. It never, God never only works one way. I get back at least as much as I give. It is one, I, I love, I love God like that. God is a God of balance. Never only works one way. I am blessed beyond measure. The third reason, because I am filled with a great spiritual joy. And a spon one of the speakers that we had talked about, this joy that is not the ha, 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 aren't we happy, la, la, la. No, this is that deep down. This is the gut joy. This is that warm thing that you get when you see another woman wanting, willing to go to any lengths, suiting up, showing up, sponsoring other women when the lights come on. When you hear something profound coming from her and you think, oh, that is God. She got, oh, and drive home and there are tears of joy. That's that spiritual joy because you get that sponsoring women. I, I do, and I'm hoping that you do too. And I sponsor because there is so much need. There is so much need. I also sponsor because if I don't give away what I know, it will disappear. If I don't have a place to give, if I don't have a people to talk and to give, then, then it will dry up within me. I'm talking to myself in the mirror. I'm a, lou I mean, I'm a lousy audience. <laughs> if I don't give this away, I will die, and I will die first spiritually, and then I will die physically because it will all dry up within me because relapse will be only a little ways away, and I'm not interested in dying. I am... Um, I heard this saying about sponsorship that I think is pretty appropriate, at least for me. If I don't express 
what has been impressed, I will be depressed. <laughs> so before I went camping with God to work on this talk, I was sure that I would be talking a whole lot more about service and about sponsoring and all that 12-step servicey things and all that other kind of stuff. So I got to my camp out, my little campground, and I spread myself out, and I'm hearing my tablets, and I had my books open, and pen was ready. And I'm just, all right, we're going to start writing now. And God took me to this other place. And I said, but, but this is the 12th step. It's about service and it's about the. And God had a different plan for me to write out and to deliver to you. So you, you blame God. <laughs> Haven't we done that a few times in our lives anyway? So God showed me that if we do not have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps and we do not practice these principles in all our affairs, we cannot carry the message of recovery. What do I have to give you if I can't take this out and put it in the rest of my life? What do, how can I tell you about the 10th step if I'm not doing that at work, if I'm only doing it at the meeting level, at the sponsor or sponsee level, if I'm not doing this on my job, if I'm not doing this when I drive my car, what do I have to offer you? All I have to tell you is, this is what you do to stay in recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous as long as you're sitting in a meeting. I can't help you in the rest of the, your life. There, I don't know anything about that because I don't do that anywhere else. I just do it here. I don't think I would stay sober very long if that's the only place I did that, because pretty soon life would begin to encroach upon me. It had to be that if I don't have this part and I don't have that part, what good am I to other people? How can I honestly sponsor you? What honesty and truth do I have for you? What do I have that you would even be interested in? Because it'd leak out. You would know, and I'd be a liar. So it was important that I see that if I do not practice these principles in all my affairs, and if I do not have a spiritual awakening, I don't have a message to carry. So that became an important part of this message for me. The 12 and 12 devotes pages to serving and sponsoring, especially warning of some pitfalls and mistakes, but also solutions and correct attitudes. The 12 and 12 spends more time and puts way more emphasis on the principles of the program. It says, can we love the whole pattern of living as eagerly as we do the small segment of it we discover when we try to help other alcoholics achieve sobriety? In other words, can I bring this attitude of service into all my life, not just my AA life? It even outlines the areas in the 12 and 12 of my life to bring these principles in. My thinking and my behavior. Practice these principles in my thinking and then my behavior. In my relationships with others. Practice these principles in my behavior with others. Others, that's like everybody else out there. That's like my family, my neighbors, the people I work with, the other people that drive their cars on the road, my road. My relationship and attitude with money, 
Why, yes, the principles of the program do apply to my relationship, our relationship with how we do money. What do we think of it? How do we use it? How do we allow it to use us? How do we use it the same way we did alcohol to make us feel better? It is really important. I don't know anybody that ever came into Alcoholics Anonymous whose, whose finances were in fabulous order who was good with money, had a savings account, you know, 401ks. I don't, I, I don't know them. They, I never met them. <laughs> Practice these principles in my relationship with God. It became even clearer to me how vital it is for me to know, for us to know the principles if I was practicing them in all of my affairs, this would enable me to better carry the message of recovery to alcoholics, but also to live a happy, joyous, free, God-centered life. The first time the principles are mentioned in, these, in the big book are these two sentences that I know you're going to know where they're from. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. And the second sentence, the principles we have set down are guides to progress. The program starts out by teaching us step by step how to apply the principles to our alcoholism. But by the time we get to step 12, we're to be practicing them in every area of our life. They have become principles for living. So practice these principles, by the way, we're on, step, we're on the third part of the 12th step. Practice these principles in all our affairs. Definition of principle is a fundamental truth, a motivating force upon which other truths are based. So a principle is a foundational truth. And practice these principles in all our affairs. Affairs, the definition of affairs, things to be done. And I looked, I said, that's it, things to be done. That's Things, so I thought, okay, well, when, where have I heard the sentence? Where have I heard it used? Commonly, we've heard it when the doctor says to the patient, you need to get your affairs in order. Because you just, because you're, you know, you've you got a, a week. So that means, okay, I, we've, I've seen enough TV shows to know. That means he's got to, you know, get the list, you do the will, get his bank accounts, do these things, get your affairs in order. Oh, things to be done. I do that. I have a to-do list for every day. What am I doing today, God? I gotta get that done and that done and that done and go to the bank and get the vacuuming done and make these phone calls to these gals. Oh, these are the affairs of my day. I get to practice these principles, these basic truths in the affairs of my day. Why, that's everything. Because on there is praying, it's answering phone calls, it's eating well, you know, don't eat the pizza, eat the salad. It's my affairs. So basic a, a principle is a truth, a basic foundational truth that other truths are based on. So in searching the big book in the 12 and 12 for these principles, I found some sentences that helped me find some of them. Now, I also need to know that these are how I perceive the principles where I am in my sobriety today. I suspect that early in sobriety, I didn't see these things. I didn't see a lot of them. I might have seen a couple of them. But now, these, this is what is revealed to me. 
you, when you read these and you see principles, as you have studied them with your group or your sponsor, you may have seen other principles. I think that's fabulous. That's great. Don't argue. Don't hug me and say, you know, I think you're wrong. In step five, I found this principle, and my sponsor says that this principle in step six is this. I think that's awesome. That is the awesomeness of the program. I think that's wonderful. And when you drive home, maybe you'll be talking about that. You know when she said this and the principle was that? What do you think about that? I always thought the principle was this. Fabulous. Talk about it. I think it's great. So I'm hoping it's not controversial, but I really don't care if you... <laughs> If you're talking about this, if you're chewing on it, if, if you're digesting these things, that's wonderful. This is recovery. This is fellowship. Talk about this. Great. Okay, so I'm going to read you the step, and then I'm going to read you the sentence, and then I'm going to read you the principle that God showed me. So step one, admitted we're powerless over alcohol, that our lives were unmanageable. So the sentence that I found, the principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our society has sprung and flowered. So the principle that I found was truth. I had to know the truth about me. I had to look at me, I had to face me, and I had to know the truth. The truth about me is I am an alcoholic. And my life was unmanageable. At that time, it was, absolutely. Now, admittedly, I just said that to the person that was my sponsor. And she said, and you're like, oh, yeah, my life's unmanageable. I didn't think it was unmanageable. I thought all of my people in my life were unmanageable. And, and if they did what I told them to do, it wouldn't, then I would be fine. I did absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm a drunk, absolutely. But everybody in my life is unmanageable. <laughs> Not me. It took a while to get to that part. It took clear to step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. The sentence. Step two is the rallying point for all of us because true humility and an open mind can lead us to faith, and every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore us to sanity. Definition soundness of mind and judgment, says in the book, if we rightly relate ourselves to Him. I didn't want to admit that I was insane. I had, I struggled, and I agreed. Oh, yeah, oh, see, I am insane. Oh, yeah. Sanity, yeah, I'm insane, yeah. I didn't believe that for a minute. I am not insane. Everybody else in my life, they are. The ones that make my life unmanageable, they are. I'm a drunk, but I'm not insane, and I do believe in God. So when it came to me, and it came to me because it just did, because it was God, one day, finally, if I admitted that I did not have soundness of mind and judgment, and it was when I saw the definition of that, that I got it, I don't have that. My sponsor said, do you think that anybody in their sound mind would do this? And she began to tell me all the things that I told her that I did. She began to put it back in my face. You did that and that and that and that and that. Are those the actions of a 
soundness of mind and judgment person. And I thought, oh, she got me. No, they're not. And she said, no, honey, they're not. They are the actions of an insane person. This is not sanity. It is not them. It's you. And I said, well, and I'm crying because she got me. And I said, yes, but then I have to admit that that it wasn't them that was unmanageable, it was me. And she said, well, duh. <laughs> and, I, and there were the light bulbs, and there was the rest of me that got broken and opened. And I admitted, truly and fully, yeah, I am an alcoholic. My life is unmanageable, and I have been insane. And I don't want to be that anymore. Thank you, God. The principle for step two, sanity, soundness of mind and judgment. And today, I often will filter my decisions through that. Claudia, is this soundness of mind and judgment? Because I want to be sane. Don't want any of that insane stuff anymore. It's a wonderful filter for me. Step two. Oh, that was it. Step three. Made his decision to turn our will and our lives over to the loving concern. Oh, that would be care. Over to the care of God. Definition is loving concern. That was hard. To the care of God. To the care of God. La, 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 la. What is care? What is care? So I looked it up. And loving concern. Oh, how much softer and more inclusive. I think I can do that. I like loving concern. That that describes more of God's attitude toward me. He is loving. He is concerned. I can do that. I would turn my will in my life over to that. To God as we understood him. It is when we, this is our sentence, it is when we try to make our own will conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it, instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's will for us. It was clear to me that I needed to be willing to do that. This was this part of me that said, I, it says that you are loving and that you are concerned. And I haven't had a whole lot of people in my life lately, especially lately, that are like that. And second step says, that you are, have all power. I, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to, to do that the very best I can today, to be willing to turn my will and my life over because, quite frankly, I, I hadn't been doing that great a job with my will in my life. I pretty much run everybody off, ruined everything I ever touched, killed all the relationships that I ever had. What have I got to lose? So I tried that. It was willingness, the principle of step three. Willingness. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Here we learn we have lost all perspective and therefore all genuine humility. We thought conditions made us drink. Never occurred to us we needed to change ourselves to meet conditions. Doing the fourth step helps us get perspective on ourselves, which is another way of saying we were gaining on humility. So for me, I remember doing that. I remember doing all the columns and going over it with my sponsor and you know, column, 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 blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, what was your part in all of that? And I said, where does it say that? <laughs> what is my part? I didn't have any part. 
they were a jerk and they were a whatever a, a, and they were that and she did that and these and she followed it all the way out but these affected you what part did you play in that and she helped me see oh my gosh I I did and most of it quite honestly was that this is where I learned up your sleeves here in your sleeves you got these spoons they come whipping right out just like that and you stir your own pot of crap <laughs> stir in the crap stir in the crap with the spoons I did this I did this I stir my own pot and it doesn't matter if you have short sleeves they're just long handle spoons they're there stirring my own crap and I saw my part. I'm like, oh my gosh. I can't blame. I can't blame. I can't resent. What am I going to do? It helped me see gain perspective. Perspective is another filter that I use in problem solving and making big decisions. Because this is what a big decision looks like. Move or not move. Change a job, not change a job. Apply for this. Take somebody to sponsor. Get rid of somebody. Whatever the big decisions are, this is what it looks like. It looks like that. And the first thing I want to do is fight or flight. Because I can't see it. Sorry. I, I can't see this. It's too close. I'm too involved. And I will do the emotional thing. I will not do pause. I will react. I won't respond. The big book even says something about give it some time. Maybe sleep on it. Maybe give it 24 hours. What happens with that? It does a little bit of this. And time and space and time and space gives me the ability to see this more clearly. Few emotions more now I can see what are the advantage, what are the disadvantage, what is perspective. This is perspective to see things a little more clearly that enables me to make a better decision. Soundness of mind and judgment. I have no hope of applying that when it's like this and I can't even see it. When I allow it to, be, to give perspective, now I have an opportunity of a correct decision. And that is what the fourth step taught me. That is a principle that I found for me in the fourth step was perspective. It gave me perspective. What really, I had a part in all of this. It was very hard to admit I had a huge part in my own crap pile. That was hard. And the spoons, I gotta tell you, the best we can do most of the time is make the spoons smaller. Because they're still there, ready. You can feel them. They want to come out. Oh, yeah. Perspective. Step five. Admitted to God ourselves to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Practice of admitting one's defeat to another person is very ancient. It has been validated in every century, and it characterizes the lives of all spiritually centered and truly religious people. AA would go even further. Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human, we couldn't stay sober. Thus, the AA saying, we are as sick as our secrets. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are ready to try this. 
And the principle of this, I found, was sharing. This is not the sharing that we share at a meeting. This is not sharing experience, strength, and hope. This is sharing with God and sharing with that trusted human that we pick, our sponsor. Some people pick a clergy person, whomever that you trust and are willing to go deep and get out the secrets. Secrets are these things that are down in here, and they, if, if we keep them, they have this biochemical way of turning into poison. And they go into areas like, like your heart, like your liver, like ulcers, like burdens, like neck issues and back issues. We carry them. They become burdens. Secrets don't get lighter as time passes. Secrets get heavier and heavier. And to practice all of these principles, to be part of Alcoholics Anonymous, will cause these secrets to get heavier and heavier and heavier. That is a wonderful, this step was so wonderful and so thoughtful to come in there, verbal vomit, that you, we got to get rid of it. Verbal vomit, get the secrets out. And I promise you that that sponsor gal of yours, you will not tell her anything she hasn't heard. You, we've been around here a long time. Many of us have done all kinds of things that we are so sure. Nobody else has done this. I am the only one. Listen to a few meetings. Listen to especially women's meetings. Talk to your sponsor. Write this out and do the deal. Be willing. Trust God and trust verbal vomit and get your secrets out because you don't want to be sick anymore. Pound your fist on the table and say, I will not go backwards. I will only go forward. I will get rid of these secrets. I do not want to die. Damn it. And do, the, and do it. So the principle is to share, sharing. Share my secrets. Also, share experience, strength, and hope. Also, share what I've learned. Also, share humor. Share pain, but share. Keep this, keep, the, keep this going. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. It seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready to gain, to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much as will get us by in life. Oh, yeah, I want to do the least amount of work possible to get the most reward. <laughs> Pretty human. That is not exclusive to 12-step people. That's pretty common in, in human people. That sounded bad, didn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, good thing you know what I mean. It's not what I say, it's what I mean, right? If we would gain any real advantage in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness, and we need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. So I got all this stuff that I want to get rid of, all this icky things, these bad things that I do, this sick, twisted thinking that I have that causes me to, to, to think sick, twisted thoughts, speak 
sick, twisted things and to do sick, twisted things. I, I don't want to be like this anymore. And yes, God, I am ready. It says be ready. So what is the perspective in step six is surrender. I got to be ready. Let him go. Let those suckers go. Let go. Surrender. Step seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Humility is a clear recognition of what and who we really are, and that without surrender to God and his grace, we will never become what we could be. The attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. Without some degree of humility, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. That is a very declarative sentence. A declarative sentence is like, drop the mic. That's it. Without some degree of humility, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. Boom. Principle in step seven, humility. Got to, got to, got to, got to. It cannot be about me. It must be about God and others. It can't, I've got to get out of the way. It has to be about out here, not about, not about that. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. We shall want to hold ourselves to the course of admitting the things we have done Meanwhile, forgiving the wrongs done to us, real or fancied. This is the step of accountability, and that is the principle of this step. I am ready. I made a list. I did this. See these people? I harmed them. I did things to them by what I said or didn't say, by what I did or didn't do, but they were harmed by me. I have to step up and be accountable for this. Accountability in my workplace, accountability in my home, accountability on how I drive my car, accountability to the nice little grocery clerk who's brand new and screws up my order and charges me $1,000 instead of 10. Accountability for how I am, for, in, for my reacting instead of responding. I am accountable. That's the principle for step eight, accountability. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Reminding ourselves that we decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. This very much reminded me of the part of the serenity's prayer where it says courage to change the things I can. What I am asking for in both the serenity prayer and in step nine is that I be given strength and direction to do the right thing. And it says in here, we must not shrink at anything. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. That's another declarative sentence. Drop the mic. Boom. We have to live it. The principle of step nine is courage. It takes courage to go and face people. It takes courage to write the letters, to step up and say, I'm willing, don't know where they are, but if they appear, I am willing to step up and say, to take accountability for the harm that I have done you. It's courage to continue to do that. 
at my boss at work, at my family, when I'm wrong to my husband. <sighs> Sometimes I have to swallow my pride. Sometimes I have to bite my tongue. It takes courage to say, you know, baby, you were right. I was... Because <laughs> he's either going to say, I know, honey, it's okay. Or he's going to say, that's right. <laughs> Courage. Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory and where we were wrong, promptly admitted it. A continuous look at our assets and liabilities and a real desire to learn and grow by this means are necessities for us. The wise have always known no one can make much of his life until searching becomes a regular habit, until he's able to admit and accept what he finds, and until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. The four inventories in this step enable us to keep current with our thinking and our actions. This helps us remember we are sober by the grace of God. Courtesy, kindness, love, and tolerance are the keynotes by which we may come into harmony with practically anybody, even the sandpaper people in our lives. Am I treating others as I wish to be treated today? So I remember reading about reading this, and I'm thinking, well, okay, okay. Watch for the, the steps. Says, watch for selfishness and self-centeredness and resentments, and watch for all these things in the places that you go and the things that you do and the people that you see. Watch for these things and watch for these things. And, and, I, and I get it. That's, that's where all the, the spot checks and the check-ins and things come with it. Watch for these things. Okay, then it says, courtesy, kindness, love, and tolerance are keynotes by which we may come into harmony. So I'm thinking, okay, I gotta watch for resentment and selfishness and self-centeredness, and I also have to be courteous and kind and loving and tolerant. I think, God, it's what an order I can't go through with that. I, it's too many things to remember. I have to watch for these and be sure I am this. It is no wonder that I have to run around the corner and say, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. And run back around and be, ah. So, so I, so I spent some time on this in one of my prayer meditation times. And I said, God, there's got to be something easier. Can you, like, give me a catchphrase? Give me, like, a little anagram or something that I can do for this 10-step thing. I, I'm good on the check-in things. But I, watching all of this stuff, I have to watch for this and watch for that. Oh, I got a, I got a job to do. I'm supposed to be driving my car and paying attention to traffic. I can't be thinking, what's my attitude? Watch for resentment. Watch for, I can't do this. <laughs> So I'm in my little frenzy, and I heard just, just so wonderful, just so loving of God in my life. And he said, oh, Claudia, just be nice. <laughs> I thought, really? Just be nice? So I thought, well, what goes into nice? Love and tolerance and patience and kindness and all those other things I said, courtesy helpfulness, service. Oh, I can remember nice. I can drive my car nice. I can be nice to the person in the checkout center. I can be nice to the people that try my shoes on endlessly when I'm trying to buy a pair of shoes. I can be nice to my husband. I can be nice to my children. I can be nice to the women I sponsor. I can be nice. I can do this. I can do this because in nice is all of these other things I'm supposed to do. And I don't have to worry about watch for this and watch for this and watch for this because they're not in nice. 
Nice isn't nice. It's the tenth step. I can be nice, and I can watch for God, and I can go around the corner and say, God, am I being nice? Feels pretty good. Thanks, God. Or, God, I want to kill them. Please help me be nice. I really do want to be nice. I really don't want to murder. I want to be nice. I can do this. Principle is step 10. Be nice. Nice covers so much, and it's so wonderful. And it's not a burden. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. This, is my, this was wonderful. I got to really experience this thing not that long ago, you know, like less than a month ago. So my own personal philosophy here on basic woman's good health Start, these are the things that you don't want to spare any expenses on. Spend the money. You need a good bed. Get a good mattress. Spend the money. You need a good shoe. Well, two of them. You need good <laughs> shoes. Spend the money on good shoes for your feet, for your knees, for your back. Good shoes. And spend the money on a good bra. You got to have a good bra. Spare no expense on these things. They help your posture. They help you walk straight. And your thinking is so connected to how do we feel. So following my own belief system, I'm in the store and in a department store, not Walmart. I'm up. I went up and I said, I'm, I'm going to get me a good bra. And I went to a department store in the, that has a foundation department. I'm up there now. Just got paid. So I went into the department store and I said, I need a good bra and this is my size. She said, Okay, if you want to slip in the dressing room, we'll bring you a few. So I'm in the dressing room. Oh, which, by the way, dressing room mirrors are the things that are left from carnivals. <laughs> They're all carnival mirrors. You know they are, because you don't look like that at home in your own mirror. I don't. I like the mirrors at my house. I don't like those in the carnival mirrors at the dressing rooms. So I'm trying on these bras, and I tried one on, and I tried another one on. And it didn't take very long for me to think, this was a bad idea, Claudia. This is, uh, this is not good. So, because that didn't fit, and that didn't fit, and how can they not fit? They're my size, and this is a bad idea. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm pretty much tired of looking at me in the carnival mirror. It like in two bras, but she kept bringing them, and then I said, you know what, let's just stop. This was a bad idea, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry, and I said, no, no, that's okay. It's not your fault. It's just, it's just a bad idea, so she said, well, okay, is there anything I can do? I said, no, no, there's nothing you can do. Just, I just, I'm just going to get dressed, so she left, and I sat there, and I thought, I am not liking how I feel. It is more than body image. This is thinking. I, I don't like how I think. What I'm thinking is, who makes these damn bras anyway? <laughs> I tried a whole bunch of bras on. They were all the same size, the same size I always buy, and they're not fitting. Probably some man makes these bras, <laughs> has no idea what fits, what feels good, what, I don't even care what it looks like. Who sees them anyway? So I don't, so I'm going and I'm, and I'm here, my spoon's out. It's out. 
one of them anyway, and the other one is, you know, it's, it's really trying hard to come out. Because I know that if I don't do something now, it's going to turn on the first person in the door, which is going to be that little sales gal. And she had nothing to do with this. But I will find something. Because right now, I am not finding what I want to find that makes me feel good. A bra. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and that's where it went. He said, Claudia, this is a bra. You're jacking. You're just getting, you're stirring your own stuff over a bra. Come on. So I said, what can I do? And, I, and there it was right there. I can be nice. Whose problem is this anyway? You know, actually, it's not. It's a, the problem is whatever it is that I make it into a problem. If you don't find a bra that doesn't fit you, okay, go find one that does. Oh, so she came back in, and I said to her, you know, I am really sorry for my crappy attitude. You didn't deserve any of that. It's not your issue. It's my issue. You know, but I'll tell you one thing. All of your helpfulness to me has shown me one thing. I now know what I don't want. And sometimes by finding out what we don't want, we find out what we do want. And you know what I, finger, what I figured out by all your helpfulness is that I want a bra that has, you know, like the pants that are out here on the rack that say relaxed fit? <laughs> Can I get a bra like that? And maybe one that doesn't make me have cleavage up to my neck? <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, we've got those. I said, oh, I think that would be great. Thank you so much. She changed I changed. She came back with two bras that didn't make me have cleavage up to my necks, that did have relaxed fit, that were just for me. I said, oh, these are perfect. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. She said, oh, I'm so glad. I said, yes, so am I. <laughs> so paid her, and she left. She was happy. I'm, certainly, I'm certain getting rid of me was part of her happy. I was happy. And I thought, this is the 10th step. This is just being nice, being stinking nice, catching myself. Here I'm going, I'm starting the spin. I'm starting the stirring. The no, I'm going to be nice because it's not her. It's me. And other principles were involved in that. I was willing. I was humble. I admitted my part. Sorry, baby, I, it's me with the crappy attitude. It's not you. So I learned an awful lot from that, and it was wonderful. And I was able to laugh because this whole stinking thing started over a bra. I mean, you got to laugh. It's not like there was surgery. It's a bra. <laughs> but it was a wonderful example of, of the 10th step in being nice. So here we are, step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for our knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Prayer and meditation are the principal means of contact with God. With meditation, the object is always to improve our contact with God, his grace, wisdom, and love. Prayer is the raising of the heart and mind to God. Prayers include expressions of gratitude for his continual grace and mercy, for our sobriety, and for the blessings we have received in our sober life. It also includes a humble petition that God reveal his will to us for the day's events and give us the power to carry them out. I include two really important things to me in all of my daily prayers. 
And the first one always is to tell God that I love him. God saved me from and saved me to. How can I not love a God like that? How can I not say every day, God, I love you. Thank you. And the second thing that I pray for every day is, God, please keep people safe from me. <laughs> I really do. Because most of the time, I can control the spoon. But sometimes, like trying on the bra, there was one of them that came right out. I, I am able to most of the time practice these principles and keep those spoons in check. But I do also cover other people when I ask God, please protect other people from me. And tell God that, that I love him. I encourage you to say that. Just say, I love you, God, in your prayer time. I love you, God. Say it a few times and see how that feels. See how it rolls off your tongue. See what it does inside. God has come to all who have honestly sought him. When we draw near to him, he discloses himself to us. Growing spiritually is the answer to our problem. Another declarative sentence. And the principle in step 11 is continue to seek God and his wisdom. Step 12, had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And the sentence, freely you have received freely give. And the principle, serve God by serving others. We discovered the best possible source of emotional stability to be God himself. We found that dependence upon his perfect justice and forgiveness and love was healthy and that it would work where nothing else would. If we really depend upon God, we couldn't very well play God nor would we feel the urge to rely wholly on human protection and care. These were the new attitudes that finally brought many of us an inner strength and peace that could not be deeply shaken. Therefore, the joy of good living is the, is the theme of step 12. The definition of joy, a feeling of happiness that comes from a sense of well-being. And as you have heard this week, this weekend from the speakers, we cannot achieve this, nor can we sustain this without God. So I do want to thank you for asking me to speak here. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. <laughs>